The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities, featuring experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Making Life Brighter will be a forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here is your host, Winifred Adams. Good morning. Welcome. My name is Winifred Adams. I'm your host, and this is Making Life Brighter Radio, where we focus on inspirational material, educational material, and anything and everything that makes our lives brighter. So we are having a kickoff to this great new week of energy, and boy, do we have energy. Uh, I have a special guest with me today who got electrocuted twice (laughs) by lightning and is here to tell us all about it. But first, I want to talk a little bit about last week's show. Um, Several of you emailed me looking to contact Dr. Elliot Maynard, and I can't give out the information for that, uh, for his, his contact. So it's better that you go to his website and contact him directly, and that's true of all of our guests. And his website, again, is www.arco.com. S-C-I-E-L-O-S dot com. And his book, again, is Brave New Mind, Living in a Future Science World. And that was such a cool interview. So if you missed that, go back to the archives on makinglifebrighter.com. It's on the radio tab, and you'll find the player there with all the archives. And you can also subscribe to our uh, podcast on iTunes. And I'd also like to share with you that I have a very special thing upcoming next Monday. And if you email me by Wednesday, you could have a free reading by Dr. Michael Lennox, and he is an expert in astrology. So if you wanted to know what your stars are saying and what happened and where you're going and what he sees for you, like in this time period right now, you could have a free reading on air next Monday. So email me at radio at makinglifebrighter.com by this Wednesday, and be sure to include your full name, your birth birth name, your full name, your name now if it's changed, your uh, birth date, the time of your birth, and the city that you were born in. So it's radio at makinglifebrighter.com, your name, date, birth date, city you were born in, and all that good stuff. And then also, uh, if you have a product or something special that you've created, I'd like to hear about it. So send me some information on something, and you might find yourself on the show, and And uh, we have to introduce to you today Robert, who is a dear friend of mine, and I'll give you a little back history here. I met Robert when I was opening for the Boulder Creek Festival singing, and he was standing by the side, and he was watching me sing, and we had just a great meeting after that show, and, and we've known each other ever since, and we have kind of a... Uh, you know how there's always one person removed from the next person you know and all that, and his uh, relatives are somebody that I know and, and recorded with at one point and started my recordings with, and that fellow's now gone on to be Taylor Swift's engineer, and it's just kind of one big happy family coming out of Boulder, Colorado. So welcome, Robert. 
It's nice Thank to have you, you today. Thank you. Good morning. How are you today? Very good. A beautiful sun-filled day in Colorado. All right. Right at the base of the foothills, yes? Yes. Yes, under the infinite blue sky. Woohoo! I miss that. I think it's lovely. But you know what? We have sunny, sunny, gorgeous blue skies here. And for as long as we have water, we'll have a lovely California. <laughs> <laughs> I know only 11 trillion gallons short. That, that's got to feel a little awkward. We're going to pray. We're going to pray, and uh, we don't need our floaties anymore. <laughs> We're going to get our shovels out. <laughs> so I wanted to introduce you to everyone worldwide because we have a lovely listening audience all over the world, and thank you all for listening. And Robert has such an amazing story. He grew up, unlike many of us, with great parents of understanding. Tell us a little bit about your childhood and, and give us a back picture so we so people can understand how you got to live life a little bit before you got hit by lightning. I'm going to have to start it even before I was born. Uh, there was a dream of me flying through the sky, and I'm looking down at a mountaintop, and I can see a light reflecting off of it. It turns out to be a mountain called Pikes Peak. And uh-huh. the next thing I know, I'm being brought into my mom, who then holds me in her arms and then names me. And I remember this as clear as a bell. Um, and that's kind of where it began in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, it was a magical beginning. Um, and uh, to grow up in Colorado Springs meant that I had uh, crystal caves, crystals lying on the ground, uh, magical rock formations, extraordinary uh, dinosaur fossils and footprints, uh, just an re- incredibly, remarkably beautiful place. I uh, was, was raised on horseback and flying in airplanes. Uh, it was a, a pretty lucky childhood. It sounds like it. That sounds beautiful in Colorado of all places, especially at that point in history where there weren't as much, many people and, you know, the developments weren't there and it was kind of pristine. It was, uh, it was magical. Uh, Friday nights we'd have the Native American dances up in Manitou Springs. Um, we had these beautiful Garden of the Gods, so these beautiful red earth formations uh, that are millions of years old. Uh, to ride horseback on a uh, rock that was in, in excess of a billion years of age. Uh, it was pretty magical, and yet there was uh, that insertion time from that magnificence into the world of society, religions, rules, laws, regulations, the fall from grace, if you will, that we all seem to, to uh, experience around the age of around six or seven years of age. Uh, and I, I only say that to to say that one day I volunteered to take something to the uh, principal's office at grade school so I could get out of class for a little bit because it was always boring. And this was fifth grade, and the gifted, talented class uh, were gone. There was a special classroom for the gifted and talented. And uh, I snuck into their room uh, while I was supposed to be going back to my class, and what I saw was a periodic table of the elements. And it's the first time I'd ever seen it. And I understood it instantaneously. I felt, I gravitated toward it. I understood it. I felt it. And I looked around in that room and I was baffled as to why I was not into this class. And before long, the principal was standing behind me, said, time to go back to your class, Mr. Boggs. And I went back to class and sat there and cut out uh, colored items for a bulletin board. Uh, for a uh, uh, Thanksgiving or something. And I was rather heartbroken from that point forward with education. So I sought out education on my own. I can see that. And, you know, you are one of the most fascinating people I've ever met, really. And you're you're consistently coming up with things that on the fly. And 
I'm sure everybody will get a chance to hear that as we go. But tell me a little bit about your parents and the kind of um, philosophy that they held while you grew up. My father made an interesting comment to me. Um, he was a mason and uh, uh, quite a, a powerful business person, but a very gentle soul. He always mm-hmm. used to refer to me as my, he said, you are your mother's son. And uh, I was kind of baffled by that until I began to understand. Uh, my mom is the one that taught me about empathy. She taught me compassion. She taught me unconditional love. And uh, these were gifts that uh, I found out later that most parents had never even shared with their children. And to me, I thought it was pretty normal. Well, I, I don't think most uh, parents know, right? Most parents aren't even equipped to do that. I'm, I've learned that over the years. It seemed that many had never been exposed, never had anyone to inspire them, never had anybody to guide them. And I was pretty lucky uh, to come out of the starting gate uh, with a guide already intact. Absolutely. So you grew up in Colorado, and you, you got to experience all the beauty and the, in the, just the energy of those mountains and all of the spirituality that kind of sits there in the history, Indian history, you know, ancient history in the rocks and the mountains. When did you first get hit by lightning, and how did that come to pass? I was a, a young man in my early 20s, um, and literally, as, as I was told later, a bolt out of the blue. I was walking uh, on the sidewalk, and... Uh, as the story was put together for me later, uh, I was slightly airborne. There was a flash of light, and uh, I was airborne. And when I um, came back down to the ground, uh, my wasn't breathing, and my heart had stopped. And I was uh, just lying on the sidewalk, uh, again, according to the folks that had were there after I came to later. Wow. And how long were you there before you got help? I have uh, no recollection of that at all. Uh, the only thing I can really remember is uh, the, the first memory I actually have of that was looking at myself from the trees. I was up in the trees looking down, and I could see my body lying on the ground, and I could not for the life of me figure out what had occurred, but I can say that the feeling that I had, there was absolutely no fear. There was no anxiety. There was no sense of dread. And there was no sense of loss. It was just a moment uh, suspended in time. Wow. And so did you have a long recovery after that? Did it affect your organ systems? What what took place? I was uh, eventually, when I was resuscitated, um, and what I was told later by a nurse who had been there, just I, uh, happily a nurse had been present, and I still don't know who actually was the one who did the CPR. But when I started to get back into my body, I remember wanting to open my eyes, and I still couldn't. And I could hear someone say, he's breathing. And then a short time later, I was trying to figure out why my pillow was so hard, like I was waking up from a dream in bed. Wow. And then uh, (laughs) I was sitting there with maybe five people. Uh, They sat me up. Somebody was holding me from behind, and they said, "Uh, I think you were struck by lightning. And my right shoe was gone. It was off about five feet away, and uh, there were capillaries that popped up all over my body that looked like little miniature lightning strikes, which was just fascinating. But I couldn't hear. I could hear internally, but I could not hear externally. All I could hear was a a buzz. Wow. Your whole system kind of got blown out. That's amazing. That's amazing. It was was a shocker. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> did you you obviously went to the hospital yeah well and uh no i didn't actually the nurse asked me she said do you want to go to the hospital and i said uh, uh I, I, no i don't and so she took me to her apartment which was just less than a block away and she sat with me and monitored me she had a stethoscope and she was monitoring my heart rate and I thought she was my angel. I, I have to this day have no idea who she was or wow. she was a figment of my imagination. But uh, in those days, you didn't go to hospitals. Yeah. I was yeah. Uh, living, uh, I was working with rock bands at that time, traveling a lot. And if you had a crisis, you did not go to hospitals. You just tried to figure your way through it. Yeah, it's funny how we've changed, isn't it? And um, today, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the seatbelt thing and the no cell phone thing and the no answering answering machine. Before all that, what did we do? How did people survive all that time, right? Yeah, well, yeah. In your your case, people just stepped up and you did it and you dealt with it and you brought this stranger into your house and you watched after them and they were okay and all was well and you weren't worried that, oh my God, if I don't take him to the hospital, he's going to sue me. <laughs> That's, that, that, is, that is correct. So he, how long did it take you to kind of get your hearing back and get back on your feet after that? For hearing, the uh, the ringing or the, the sound that I heard lasted uh, uh, to the point that it faded about a month later. Um, I felt like I'd had my bell rung and I was in a constant vibration probably for a half a year. Um, electrically, my body just felt uh, super peaked and uh, super sensitive. Uh, The slightest touch was just not painful, but it would make you jump. It was just super sensitive experience of the flesh, and uh, it was quite, uh, well, man, I've got another pun. I want to say it was quite enlightening because I really began to understand (laughs) the limitations of my body and the limitlessness of my soul. That's beautiful. That's really special. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes people have to come to a place where they have that. It seemed like you already were aware, but some people have to either become very ill or terminally ill to kind of come into that understanding. And yet, uh, you it seems like you just had a more in-depth understanding at that point. Well, to a, to a point, because <clears throat> apparently, <clears throat> excuse me, what I had to learn uh, was five more car wrecks one more lightning strike, about with double pneumonia and passing away at 107 degree fever, and yeah. also experiencing West Nile virus. So apparently, I was fairly stubborn or bullheaded. <laughs> I think you just didn't want to be here, and you're trying to get out, and they're like, "No way, <laughs> no way, you're not leaving until it's done." <laughs> Yeah, no, so, okay, you were traveling, you said, with rock bands, and you were doing this work all over. Was that hard to do after this kind of hit with the lightning? You know, it's interesting. It seemed like it set me on a whole different path. Um, And before long, I found that I just wanted to travel without the responsibility of the job or the tasks at hand. And so I just kind of went footloose and fancy-free and traveled around the country, uh, through Canada, Mexico, Mexico. visited many states, uh, made many friends around the country, and uh, was getting ready for a, uh, uh, a longer-term uh, travel when uh, I had a beautiful daughter uh, uh, appear, and uh, uh, that was another altering point for me. Ah, that's sweet. And, and you ended up um, 
getting hit yet again by lightning at some point. So what happened with that? That one was kind of a, a unique moment. Uh, uh, this one I had witnessed by a friend who was literally pulling into my driveway the moment that uh, the lightning struck. And I had a friend visiting that day. And uh, I remember the event. This one I remember. Um, this one didn't kill me. This one uh, knocked me, lifted me, threw me through the air probably 10 feet into the side of a house and into the shrubs. Uh, the fellow that was sitting there visiting with me disappeared over the railing. Um, I think a concussion knocked him off uh, his feet. And my friend that was just rolling in jumped out and said, uh, I can't believe what I just saw. I actually got to see the lightning bolt appear through the ground. Uh, and, and what I remember was it was like it came up and down simultaneously, and I could see the the soil spin. And later I found uh, that it had fused the soil, had melted it, but the shaft of this bolt was probably no more than two inches, and I believe what I was told by my friend Peter, who had just pulled into the driveway, that he could see the finger, a finger of the lightning go right into my head. And uh, that's uh, what I recall about that. And uh, But what was unique about that moment, again, about getting my attention, uh, when I came to, I had a pretty significant nosebleed and a concussion. But I remember an olfactory taste of ozone, and uh, uh-huh. uh, that is something that, that is going to you know come back to me years later. Um, so I always wondered if that uh, second uh, effort of a lightning experience was something that was to gain my attention toward a project that I would uh, pursue much later on in life. I think it was. That's amazing. You know, there's n- never a mistake, and things aren't really a coincidence, but We're going to be right back with more Robert Boggs here on Making Life Brighter Radio. And if you have a question about this show or anything that you'd like to bring to my attention, please email me directly at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. You can find us on Facebook, like us on Facebook on Making Life Brighter, and you can find us on Twitter on MLB Radio. That's that's true, MLB Radio. That's Making Life Brighter Radio. (laughs) We'll be right back with more Robert Boggs and his amazing story about living and dying by lightning and so much more he has to share with us. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. Thank you for listening, and hello to everybody all around the world. Today we're speaking with special guest Robert Boggs, who got hit by lightning, died, came back to life, and has seemingly lived 10 more lives since then, (laughs) and who also died from almost from uh, disease or fever and and bugs and all those good things that we've all experienced somewhere (laughs) along the way, right? (laughs) Robert. Oh, goodness. We were talking at the break that you felt or tasted ozone at the last lightning strike you had. And uh, this was sort of a precursor to what was upcoming in your life. So how did that then transport you forward into your quest for ozone and for the betterment of our planet? Well, I have to tie it back to my my first lightning experience. Uh, Where I was struck was just blocks away from where Nikola Tesla had uh, built his lab in Colorado Springs in 1899. And I don't know if people are familiar with Nikola Tesla, but uh, an amazing being. Uh, Some say he was born on lightning or born of lightning during a very intense storm. And uh, he, his research uh, uh, was very electrical, uh, very oriented toward that, that energy. And when I realized uh, months later that I had been struck just only blocks away from where his lab was, it began to inspire me to research Nikola Tesla. And uh, he became a, uh, an inspiration uh, and uh, uh, really motivated me to always stay in a very open-minded um, uh, don't ever come to any firm conclusions, just stay open to everything. So I think I embraced the 360 degrees plus the axis, uh, thanks to Nikola Tesla. And I always kind of wondered in the back of my mind if that lightning strike was not meant uh, uh, to be almost even as if it were from him. So I could pick up on a project that he had uh, uh, stimulated back in the 1800s. I was able to pick it up in the late 1900s. And what was that project? He was working with ozone. Uh, he w- worked a lot with electricity, uh, with lightning, and he found that ozone had incredible properties, um, preservation properties, uh, cleansing properties, and uh, uh, non-toxic uh, in, in, in certain amounts or in small quantity. And uh, the second lightning, by the time I was able to taste and smell that ozone, uh, it took many years later before I was uh, sitting in a lab in University of Florida in Gainesville um, at the pilot plant um, experimenting with various uh, biocides, and I wanted to create something that would be green, organic, clean, that would leave no harmful chemicals or need no harmful chemicals, leave any harmful residues, and it turned out to be ozone. And so I began to pursue ozone as a biocide uh, from that point forward to eliminate foodborne pathogens, diseases, and death. 
Mm-hmm. And did it come to pass? Did you do it? I was able, uh, I succeeded uh, uh, in the experimentation and the research and development, uh, even uh, filed patents and uh, uh, anticipated that this would uh, preclude the need now for Monsanto's, Dow's, DuPont's, Bayer's, Johnson & Johnson's, Syngenta's, all the chemical companies. They would no, no longer be necessary. Uh, they wouldn't need to soak our food in toxic uh, carcinogens or expose us to these toxic carcinogens, we'd be able to clean our food, preserve our food, and not have any negative environmental impacts at all. That's phenomenal. And are is anyone using this now? No. And uh, what, what I've discovered uh, through the uh, research and development, through the blood, sweat, and tears of the project, uh, other ozone companies around the world working with ozone in different uh, 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 ways. Some were using it medically uh, to preclude uh, internal diseases. Um, some were using it for environmental cleanups. Uh, it was beginning to be used uh, for water purification plants, uh, sewage plants. But uh, the ozone industry in and of itself basically was uh, thwarted, crushed, um, and they did their best to crate everything up and put it in that warehouse, so to speak, uh, to to keep it from being utilized. Well, you know, that that's really troubling to all of our progress on this earth plane. And I think that there's so many things out there we keep seeing that we do have the technology for. But for some reason or another, we can't get it out there and we can't get it past some barrier that keeps us from utilizing it for the benefit of all. It sounds it like this is one of them. The corporations have uh, have tremendous power. They control governments. They, I think, pretty much control the world. And uh, for 99% of us uh, really can grab onto that someday. Maybe we can uh, change those odds. Yeah, it's kind of like the 100th monkey theory. If enough people know about it, which is part of the reason for this show, if enough people know about their options and things that are out there, their change of heart can be very inspired and lead to many things. And once one person catches on and opens up, then another can catch on and open up. And, you know, collectively, we're not immune. And we've been hypnotized for so long that it's as if, well, somebody else is going to take care of that. Well, somebody else is going to handle that. Well, our food is clearly in jeopardy as well as the planet. And what you were talking about here and what you're discussing has far-reaching positive impact. I mean, really, imagine no chemicals. You know, when I first went up to Fresno and was doing my, my healing work there, I would treat the farmers from the fields, and they'd come from all over far and wide to see me, and they had things the doctors gave up on. Well, I didn't approach it from a doctor's standpoint, of course. We went from a holistic standpoint, and they were having all these terrible issues with their body and rashes and their feet and their blood pressure and all these things because of the chemicals they sprayed. So I asked a farmer, tell me how you spray your plants, the ones that we eat. How do you do this? The orange trees, the groves, etc. Well, we, we inject the root of the plant every other day, he said, and we spray on top of the plant the opposite days. That's insane. That's no wonder the valley's so dirty. No wonder these people are dying. And I saw a lot of those people really, really tragically ill. 
I'd never seen anything like it. And it led to more bugs, more parasites, more virus, more things that your typical things wouldn't touch anymore because they were almost mutating out of control. It was disgusting. So if that's possible for the farmers, whatever we're inputting on a regular basis has to be affecting us as well. Absolutely. And, and it stores in our bodies. Uh, uh, I, my first uh, uh, effort was to eliminate the use of chlorine. Uh, chlorine, when it off-gasses, is a very carcinogenic gas called trihalomethane gas. And it's a carcinogen. Uh, they'll dig our bones up, you know, thousands of years from now, and they'll find that we're just, you know, our bones will be soaked in chlorine. Um, uh, it, it's just, uh, it was utilized because it was simple to use uh, 100-plus years ago. Uh, ozone was known about uh, over 100 years ago. Nikola Tesla, uh, Europeans knew about ozone. But uh, the chemical companies were starting to rear their heads and, and uh, uh, swing their weight and it changed everything. And when I was able to uh, utilize ozone to kill foodborne pathogens and uh, and extend the shelf life of produce and seafood with it, um, I, I didn't even realize that one of the uh, prime enemies of that project was the nuclear industry. And people say, nuclear industry? Uh, well, were they going to build an atomic bomb and drop it on our food supply? But what they opted to do was irradiate our food and do it clandestinely. Uh, they didn't want the general public to know that their food was going to be irradiated. Uh, there was tons of leftover cesium, and they knew there was a profit to utilizing that cesium, and they figured the best thing they could do with it would be soak our food with it, make money that way by selling it uh, to the companies to utilize for food. And, um, uh, and I had no idea that the nuclear industry was even involved in our food supply until mm. about 20 years ago. That's a rude awakening and one that's uh, very difficult to overcome. However, Fukushima, with its current situation, um, might be lending to the change in heart around nuclear power, hopefully someday, sooner than later. Or we just won't have a choice (laughs) and we'll be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you won't be dead. You know what it's like already. (laughs) The aliens are looking, say, somebody turn the light out on that planet. Hmm. <laughs> you're, you're back again. You're like, I can't die. <laughs> so, sincerely, you've taken this ozone and you tried to put it out there and, and you were thwarted in some way. That's what you're saying. Absolutely thwarted. Uh, and, and even the other companies that weren't in comp- competition with what I was doing, but they were utilizing ozone in, in different fashions and functions. We all uh, did our best to create consortiums uh, to to join together to uh, uh, figure strength in numbers, and yet uh, we could not get any Congress or any Senate uh, members that had any any interest at all. Uh, most of them, uh, I, I love the idea of if they could wear their uh, sponsors' uh, uh, logos on their suits would be great. But you see, <laughs> most of these guys are just covered with uh, you know Monsanto and all the chemical industry uh, companies. Uh, but uh, we discovered that just a short time ago during an Ebola outbreak in uh, Africa, uh, they were talking about trying to create a vaccine. And I thought, oh, here come the pharmaceuticals again. And uh talked to some of my uh, colleagues in the industry, and we discovered that we had a solution for Ebola outbreaks. It was called ozone. Mm-hmm. And uh, it could be very inexpensive, and uh, it would save, you know, tons of lives and and we'd be able to make a difference. So we sent a uh, representative to Sierra Leone where there was an outbreak issue with Ebola. 
and uh, we were turned away because we were told that uh, the pharmaceutical companies and uh, there were vaccines that were being developed for this very purpose, you know, uh, but you can go home because we've, we've got it covered. And again, wow. shock and, and dismay to realize that uh, uh, here are corporations, again, uh, that are going to profit on, on disease and on disaster. They were there to profit, not to create solution. That's that's frightening, really. That it's it's heartbreaking on the one hand, and it's frightening. And it, if you step back far enough, like when you did when you crossed over and looked down from the tree, it's almost like looking down at something in silence and seeing what's going on below. But you know, people need to be able to connect to their spirit. I'm I'm a real advocate of that. That if you don't connect to your spirit, you're missing out and you're becoming hypnotized to whatever moves you or distracts you, in this case, distracts you. So if people are frightened about a disease coming along, they're going to reach for whatever the quickest fix is that's offered to them as opposed to the actual what do we do in the long term and how can we prevent this to begin with. And you're presenting a very sound and uh, helpful remedy that's not going to harm anything else you know people i'm sure people out there want to know literally what is ozone and how can can it help you because i've had friends here in la that had an ozone machine i've had friends that have taken in ozone in um injections and i think also in water and they have they sit in an ozone kind of chamber, if you will, and mm-hmm. all of that's for their health and their wellness. But what would that literally be doing for them? So, well, I was going to say too, they'll also ozonate uh, hot tubs, uh, jacuzzi, spas. So they'll ozonate uh, uh, swimming pool water. Uh, what it does, it keeps uh, uh, bacterial growth from occurring. And uh, and what uh, what ozone is? It's a uh, a triatomic molecule. It's uh, oxygen, O2, stimulated through either ultraviolet or an electrical charge, and it creates this third unstable molecule. That third unstable molecule is what, uh, uh, where the strength of ozone is as a biocide, uh, where it'll kill um, uh, a pathogen, for example, and I'll just use E. coli as, a, as an example, or listeria, which uh, we've had some outbreaks in this country with both of those recently. Uh, what it'll do is that third uh, unstable molecule will attach itself to the cell wall of the organism and literally explode it, uh, denaturing the organism and uh, uh, causing it to cease to exist. And uh, we had a 99.99% kill ratio on those uh, harmful bacteria. And, uh, of course, we also had people say, well, what about the good bacteria? But we weren't uh, waging war on the good bacteria. We were only waging war on the bacteria that could kill us. Right. And especially with man-made diseases today that have been created for warfare, the mycoplasmas, all the derivatives of the Epstein bars and things like that, those require some very tricky approaches. And um, throwing an antibiotic at any of that is not going to work anymore. So this type of possibility seems so viable for all people. And, you know, I believe that there could be a day when we don't have viruses anymore, where we don't, and it can be soon. It could be, right? I mean, that's possible with what you're talking about. Well, what we can, what we're, we're going to have bacteria. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I, I respect bacteria. They've been here on this planet, on, on this planet, for at least 
three, three and a half billion years. They have, uh, they'll come extraterrestrially. Uh, they arrive here during the accretion process of our planet and they thrive. They have thrived. Uh, even our bodies, uh, we host so much bacteria right now. If we could actually see it, we would think, oh my gosh, they're having a party. Um, <laughs> it's just so yeah, this bacteria also helps keep us alive. This bacteria is essential in the overall uh, functionality of nature. Uh, we have created the imbalance, and we have created inoculation where we've created new virulent strains of these ancient bacteria, and now they've become, uh, they'll attack the, the, the uh, us. We're very vulnerable. Uh, we're the complex organism. They're the simple organism, and simple organisms thrive for billions of years. Complex organisms come and go relatively rapidly. That's amazing. That's very, very interesting, and a good point at that. But I I do believe as our energies on this planet raise, as we increase in frequency as we move through this photon belt that we're in right now, which is scientifically proven, I'm not talking woo-woo here, that in fact, as the signature of the planet frequency raises, Ours have to go with it, and we have to go yeah. with that. So there will be changes coming. What they are, who knows? And if we can sustain ourselves long enough to go through it properly, then we might get to a place where certain things don't vibrate in harmony together anymore. In other words, some bacteria may not live in that frequency anymore. Some viruses won't live in that frequency anymore. We might be free of that to some degree. We have, you know, a, we have a road. Go ahead. And, you know, it'll be it'll be dependent upon our our our, our immune systems uh, uh, being able to be adaptive. But we've done so much damage through uh, the chemical toxins and pollutants, the uh, uh, nuclear tests, which have just been innumerable. It's hard to even fathom the number of nuclear tests or radioactive materials that's been released uh, on purpose, let alone accidental. Uh, yes. Yeah, we have definitely altered uh, the the gene pool. Absolutely. And you know what? We're going to be right back with more Robert Boggs in this fascinating conversation on our world today and his world after he passed into the other world and has come back. And he has so much amazing information to share with us. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and we'll be right back. So stay tuned. If you have questions, email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Making life brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. This is Winifred Adams, and you're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. Woohoo! Whoopee! Have you sent Whoopee today? <laughs> Wherever you are today, just yell out Whoopee, and maybe you'll make all the people around you laugh. <laughs> we we need a little bit of levity now and then because Robert Boggs, who's our guest today, was just talking about how nuclear things were impacting our environment and we're talking about the positive effects of ozone and I have something to share that's rather disturbing but last week I went to the beach out in California here and I looked out and as far as you could see to the horizon a friend of mine and I were sitting there and she said to me do you see that and I said I see that and we looked to the left and looked to the right and we were looking at a giant massive mushroom cloud as far out as we could see. And we watched it change. We watched it morph. We watched it get bigger and then flatten. It was wild. It didn't travel to the right or to the left. It was exactly right dead center in front of us. And we watched, by reference, a boat go by that looked then like a submarine and with a scope on it. It was very, very bizarre, all of this. And we're like, we're seeing this, right? Yes, we're seeing this. We're seeing this in real time. So we look to the left, and there's Catalina Island off there, and there's a mini mushroom cloud off the end of Catalina Island. And I'm like, okay. So we're watching both of these change, just like you would see an explosion and all the cloud come up and go down. So what is that? What happened? What was that? We don't know. We have no idea. I can just tell you we witnessed it, and I watched it for a very, very, very long time. And then I happened upon somebody in town that also said people were buzzing about it and wanted to know what was going on. And I don't know what to say about that, but I do know that in the ensuing week, people were very emotional. They were very up and down. Um, I don't know what else to tell you except for that was very, very, very strange. And it was very real right in front of us. So was that a bomb? Was that nuclear testing? Who knows? We have a military base off of our corner here. And I don't know, you know, the sea lions were dying in mass for the last few weeks prior to that. And there were so many washing up on shore. Last year, they only had seven. And this year, to the date that I found them lying on the beach, starving to death, apparently, um, they were had taken in 130 already. And this is, you know, well, you go, oh, that's sad. That's terrible. Maybe... They said, well, they said the waters were too warm and the fish were dying. Well, that could be true. But also, if anybody's doing any kind of sound testing underwater that could disturb them or any kind of explosions or things disorienting them, I, I don't know. I mean, all things are possible, but it's 
somebody's suffering on account of whatever's going on, and it's bizarre. So, Robert? Well, I was just thinking, too, that when I started my research at the University of Florida in 1998, they were entrusted by the state of Florida to monitor the oceans, Atlantic and the Gulf, for the state of Florida. And uh, the warning that appeared on uh, many restaurant menus uh, eating this particular food, whether it was an oyster or shrimp or something of that nature, uh, had now a a life-or-death warning, Uh, uh, eat at your own risk. And uh, uh, the the lab next to where I was doing my uh, uh, research and development is where they would uh, bring a lot of the uh, specimens in. Uh, They would use the bivalve uh, organisms, clams, for example, and oysters, to monitor and test what was in the water. In 1998, they had tracked about 128 different contaminants and nitrates and stuff that were coming down in the Gulf of Mexico from the farmlands of the United States. Uh, And on the Atlantic side, everything from DDT, which apparently the United States continued to sell after banning it here, they sold it to Africa, and then it would blow to the eastern coast of the United States and do its devastation anyway. And uh, so we found uh, we had oysters that had herpes. Uh, uh, There were uh, dolphins that were suffering uh, measles-type disorders. There were uh, fish in the Gulf of Mexico, redfish, for example, that had uh, leukemia-like lesions and uh, illnesses. And uh, uh, and dead ocean and dead ocean in the Gulf. But uh, you know, thanks to BP oil and and uh, Mm -hmm. their. Deep water horizon, I believe it was called, uh, devastation and, and uh, indiscriminate use of uh, dispersants. Uh, that dead zone in the Gulf has expanded. Uh, the dolphin are dying at a very rapid rate. Uh, the, the imbalance in nature has just been absolutely uh, 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 paralyzed or, or quantified in just these last few months. Uh, we don't seem to be stopping anything. So I'm, I'm praying for the 99% of the masses will start boycotting or at least raising their voices to stop these companies from their indiscriminate uh, rolling over of all life forms. And, and back to the Pacific, uh, we know that uh, the salmon up in the Pacific Northwest are also suffering uh, leukemia-like uh, issues. Um, we have created a very highly acidic ocean. Uh, there's microplastics now. They're finding it in almost all the food that's remaining, and most of the predatory or the big fish are gone. Um, the fish, I'm sure, that the sea lions were counting on are gone. Uh, I was just reading this morning, too, about a lot of crab, uh, uh, small crabs that are washing up in Cali that are dead or dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it is really a turning point for us, and this is where we really have to uh, buckle, up, buckle down and, and, and step forward and uh, uh, eliminate fear from our lives and, and, and start to create solution. Our planet uh, is hoping that we'll step forward, that we'll wake up, and uh, I think every life form on this planet is, is knowing that the perpetrators can also be the ones who heal this. So maybe we could really make an effort to spread the, the wake up and, and uh, get people to show up with some light and some love, and maybe we could start to uh, abate this incredible fiasco. Amen, brother. Amen. That's fantastic. You know, the great masters, St. Kirpal Singh out of India, who was the initial great master that brought all the world religions together. He brought the Pope together and all the head of world religions and sat them down and, and was the first to do that and have them all discuss together and talk and all that and find tolerance, I guess. That's a good way to say it. But the one thing that he said, which I found so inspiring, and I think of literally every single day, is he said, you know, the earth can tolerate um, anything 
but an ungrateful human. If you really think about that, that makes me cry almost. The earth can tolerate anything but an ungrateful human. So, you know, while we have our heads buried in our phones and how many people saw what I saw that day? Probably nobody else, you know? I mean, nobody, the people were oblivious on the beach, like blah, 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 da, da, da. No one, well, and really, why should they? Why should they have to? Why can't they live their life any way they want to without having to look out around them and go, oh my God, look what's happening over there. But sincerely, we are oblivious to what's going on, hoping that someone else is going to change it. And the only thing we have to do is open our heart. And what you just said was so brilliant. And God bless you for all the work you've done, truly, because your heart is always, always out there, open, sharing. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's such an inspiration. It's such an inspiration. So I want to ask you a little bit about your, um, when now that you've, lived further going through all of that, seeing the possibility, seeing what's happening on the earth plane. As you tie back to the time that you left your body and you died by lightning and you saw whatever you saw and the feelings that you felt, how has that then changed you now? How do you see the world now? You know, ironically, it has kept me from becoming angry and embittered. I meet a lot of people that have had uh, no near death, not even a near life experience, and they're very angry. They're bitter. They're uh, self self important, uh, uh, self absorbed, and and what it has done is that it, it we we somehow have become so in, uh, entranced by our physical presence and our our ego, if you will, our, our self importance, and not even understanding that if we were to just shed the body. If we could just unzip it, take it off, and throw it on a chair and go for a walk uh, where nobody can actually see you, hear you, or smell you, or feel, touch you, whatever, uh, we'd understand that freedom. It's an absolutely infinite sense of freedom. There is no limitation, uh, real or perceived. It's an infinite sense of grace. It's an infinite sense of connectiveness. And and I think that that's probably the greatest lesson that I drew from this was that uh, my my corporeal mass, my body is is such a temporary vehicle, and and I'm so glad that I had the experience to, to understand that there was something else that resided within that flesh, and ever since uh, that relationship uh, uh, was was pointed out through my experiences, I have uh, really made a sincere effort to help other people connect to their souls. So when the day does come that we have to send the bodies off to recycle, our souls can go, well, that was weird, but that was kind of fun. And then we can grow <laughs> and, and move on and explore the rest of the infinite universe or universes or multiverses or whatever we perceive it to be. But it's an extraordinary sense of freedom, an extraordinary sense of, of levity. There is such an incredible lightness in that being. And I want people to know that it exists. And, and for people that are on their deathbeds, I want them to know that there need be, be need, no need for fear at all. Uh, fear is a waste of energy. It's a waste of time. Uh, embrace life. And, and when the time comes that we shed this body and the heart quits beating and the brain shuts down, that uh, we go off to the next level of our adventure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That couldn't be said any better. We have an opportunity here. And if we don't utilize that opportunity, we let that opportunity pass us by. But it can be fun. And instead of focusing on all the negative, the more happy we are and the more open hearted we are, the more we can affect change. And it doesn't have to be 
Yeah, yeah, whoopee! <laughs> right? You, you're in Colorado and I'm in California. We'll go, whoopee! <laughs> oh, okay, so I have a question for you. This is a very serious question, Robert. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> what I'm makes like your life... Now. That's just great. That's right. What makes your life brighter? That is a great question. Everything. I mean, I, I can't exclude. I, I could exclude nothing. Um, mm-hmm. We've talked about the diminishments and the negativities on some levels, or the ignorances that have been held. But uh, uh, what makes my life brighter every day is is connecting with souls that are uh, on the path. They're they're struggling, uh, and that we're here to uh, encourage each other. We're here to strengthen each other. Uh, we're here to embrace each other. Uh, we're not here to take or steal or vampire energy, but we're here to make life brighter for everything, everyone, not just human beings. We're just one small species amongst millions on this planet, perhaps billions within our universe, perhaps trillions within the greater scope of everything. So what makes life brighter is is to wake up every day with a sense of gratitude, a sense of joy, a sense of appreciation. And if you don't have those things, call me. I'll make sure that you do before the end of the day. (laughs) I love you. I love you. I'm so grateful we got to meet and share all this time. Thank you so much for coming today. This has really been educational and uplifting and totally inspiring. So thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been a treat. I appreciate having you you here. Okay, everybody. So. Just remember that if you want to have a reading, an astrology reading by Dr. Michael Lennox next Monday, I need your name, birthday, uh, city of origin, and the time that you were born emailed to me at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And if you'd like to hear this show and listen to it again, you can go to makinglifebrighter.com. And on the radio tab, there will be the archives later today of this show. And feel free to tell everybody to listen because our goal is to uplift people one person at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time, and your participation matters. So thank you so much for listening. You can find us at makinglifebrighter.com. You can find us on the Health and Wellness Channel on voiceamerica.com. And we're here every Monday, and we are sending out love across the world. Can you feel it, Robert? And whoopee. And whoopee. Whoopee! <laughs> hey, I have a quick aside. I have one minute left. <laughs> I used to have a cat called Whoopi, and my dad would go out in the morning, and we faced our house faced a halfway house. And my dad's, dad would go out every morning and call the cat in from outside to feed him in the morning. He'd go out the door and go, Whoop, whoop, Whoopi! <laughs> so the people were like, What is this guy doing every morning? <laughs> so there you go everybody a little bit of levity it's good for the soul it's good for the heart it's good for your cholesterol and it's really good for the environment great gratitude so if anything we got from robert today it's gratitude for being alive and having this opportunity thank you so much and we'll be back next week you're listening to making life brighter radio and i'm your host winifred adams have a sweet sweet rest of your week everybody thank you and stay tuned 
Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us each week at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.